So like I said, we recently moved a couple uh, months ago, and a little bit more about our story, if, if you don't know us or uh, if you just forgot, that's okay. Um, I was a pastor at a church not far from here for about 15 years, and about two and a half years ago, almost three years ago now, my wife and I felt like God was calling us to step out of that season of ministry as a pastor and step into this new season where we run this ministry, Restoration Family Farm. And so it was a long process and a long journey, but we finally stopped saying no to God and said, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to step into this new season of life. And at the same time that we stepped out of the season of ministry at the church that I was at, the church had nothing to do with me, but, but the, church, the church closed uh, its doors. It's, it's no longer there. And, you know, it was hard. It was sad because we were a part of building that church. Like I said, I was there for 15 years and there was a lot of memories. There was a lot of life that was lived in that church. And so as exciting as it was to step into the new season of, of ministry that we're doing at the farm, it was sad to see that season come to an end. And so even though we're a couple hours away now, I'm still able to come up here from time to time for different appointments and different meetings. And last week I was up here and I did something that originally, Originally, I was upset that I did, uh, but now after I've had some time to talk it through with God, I'm glad for the moment that took place. I was up here last week for some appointments, and I said, you know what? I haven't been back to where the building was, where the church was uh, in a really long time. I just didn't want to go back there, and I was like, I'm in the area right now. You know what? Let me go check it out. I want to see what's, what's there. I want to go see you know, if it looks the same or anything like that. And so as I was driving, I, I drove up to the, the building. Now, we rented space in a warehouse, so that's where the church was. So I drove into the warehouse complex, and on the outside, everything kind of looked the same. I was like, oh, yeah, the steps are there, the doors, the awnings, you know, whatever. It's, this is nice. And so I got closer. I parked, and I, I peeked in the, the front doors, and I looked, and everything that was inside had basically been gutted. It was just one big open space. And I looked and I said to myself, well, this is awful. Because, you know, I, I was looking at an empty space in that moment. But what I was really remembering was, hey, that spot on the floor, that was where I hung out with that family after church on Sunday. And that was where the kids would run around after church or, or we would have youth group. And we, we had that Bible study over there. And I was looking at all the memories that were and are no more. And I was sad. I'll be honest with you. I got really upset about it. Then I got in my truck and I looked uh, across the, the driveway and I saw the field where we had the barbecues and the picnics and we rented the sumo suits and beat each other up with them on the grass. And we did all the fun events and I looked and now it was just overgrown with weeds and it was just a chunk of grass. And I found myself in that moment saying, God, I really miss what was. I really miss what was. I wonder in your life, when was the last time you found yourself missing what was? When was the last time you found yourself missing something that, that used to be a part of your life and is no more? Maybe it's a relationship that, that you loved and is no longer together. Maybe it's a job at a career or a career that, that you had that for whatever reason you're no longer there, whether it was because of your decision or not, but it's, it was and now it's not. Maybe it's a, a loved one that's no longer on earth anymore 
and you had a great connection with them and, and it was this beautiful relationship and now it's no more or they're not here anymore. When was the last time that you missed what was in your life? You know, it's funny even, you know, not to, again, the, the stereotypical thing that we could say in this season of life is, hello, we all miss what life was like pre-COVID, right? I, I, I've noticed that recently we've kind of ditched that whole um, new normal phrase. Remember when COVID first came out and everybody was talking about, I wonder what the new normal is going to look like. What's the new normal? I think people are so sick of how horrible the new normal is that they've totally forgotten about it. And now they're just like, I wish we could go back to pre-COVID, Right? And, and I know you, you know what I'm talking about. We just, we just want to go back to what was. And I think I've noticed in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, we all face those seasons where we miss what was. We all face these seasons of our lives and these times and these, these moments in our lives where we look back and we think, remember when I missed that. We just, we just moved to the farm and it's a, definitely a change of pace for us. And I'll be honest, one of the things that I miss is being able to just drive down the street five minutes and get whatever you want to get whenever you need to get it. I miss what was. I miss convenience. I miss comfort. I miss the rhythm and the routine that I was familiar with. When was the last time you missed what was? You know, I sat there in my truck last week and I said, God, I really miss what was. And I realized something about us as we navigate through these seasons. And that's this. We have to be very cautious when we face these seasons of what was and missing what was, because if we focus so much on what we lost, we miss what we have left. Let me say that again. We have to be so cautious in our lives because the temptation is when we miss what was to dwell and focus on that what we need to understand is that, that if we do that and we only focus on what was lost, we lose sight of what we have left. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack, what do we do? How do we navigate these seasons of missing what was? Now, I want to be very clear here, right? Solomon says that for everything, there is a season. There's a season to laugh. There's a season to cry. There's a season to grieve. There's a season to rejoice. So I'm not trying to tell us that, that when we miss what was, what we have to do is just forget about it and move on. There's a time to grieve every loss that we have. But what we have to understand is that there's also a time to move forward. There's a time to say, okay, God, let's go. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we navigate that season where we say, okay, it's time to step forward into what God is calling us to do. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to meet me in the book of Exodus chapter 16. I want to learn from a group of people that I think have a lot to teach us about this season and how to navigate it in an effective way. And sadly, they're going to teach us this morning from their failures and their faults, not their successes. And our hope is, my hope is that we can look at their story, we can look at their life, we can look at what they didn't do, and we can learn what we shouldn't do so that we can learn how to navigate this season well, Exodus 16, now, now while you're making your way there, let me give you a little bit of a backstory. The group of people that we're looking at this morning is a group called the Israelites. Now, they're a pretty prominent group of people in the, in the Old Testament. We, we see a lot written about them. And where we're picking up in their lives and in their story is they had been slaves. They had been in captivity for an incredibly long time 
really, really, really long. And God in his mercy and in his grace rescued them out of that life of slavery and was leading them into a brand new season of life. Now we know because we have the book and the whole story that what he was leading them into was the promised land. But what they didn't know was that it was the promised land. They knew God was leading them into something new, but they didn't exactly understand yet what it was. So God leads them out of this one moment and season of their lives. And he says, let's go. We're going to something new. And now because of some poor decisions that they made, they couldn't just go right into that promised land. And so what we're picking up in the story today is as they're walking and as they're wandering through the desert on that journey to the promised land, Exodus chapter 16, I'm going to read 20 verses. Now, everything in pastor school tells you never do this. It's too many people won't pay attention, but I've always broken all the rules. So I'm going to break the rules again this morning, and I'm going to read all 20 verses for you because I want you to see the big picture and I want you to see the journey that they took through this passage. So let's read it together. Exodus 16, one to 20. It says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. And all the carb lovers said, amen. Because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they had looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, 
Some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So here's, here's this group of people. And it says that they are on a journey. Now they had been on the journey for a little ways. And it says that while they're on this journey in the desert, what happens? It says they start complaining because they're hungry. See, even God's chosen people, the Israelites, get hangry, right? We all get hangry at times. Anybody else that gets hangry? I don't ever get hangry. And my wife is not here to tell you how much I'm lying to you about that. Um, I will literally rip your head off if I don't get my sandwich. Uh, but anybody else get hangry, right? So that's what's happening to the Israelites here. They're, they're wandering in the desert. They're walking on their journey and they're complaining and they're hangry because they don't have food. They want something. They, need, they have a need that they want met. Now, this is not necessarily a luxury right? It's not like they're asking for, you know, I just wish I had a new car. It's no, 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 we need to eat and we have no food. So it says they grumbled to Moses and Aaron. And, and I find something really fascinating in what they said. I want you to look with me at verse three. It says this, the Israelites said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve us to death. You know what's so fascinating about this? They're saying, if only we were back at what was. If only we were back in Egypt. There we had pots of meat, pots and pots of it. We had all the food we could ever want. What were they saying? I wish we were back there. I miss what was. But you know what's interesting? Remember what I said life was like for them when they were in Egypt? They were slaves. Their life was miserable in Egypt. Miserable. But the second that life got hard here, what did they do? I want to go back there. I miss what was. You know, the first step I think we need to take in order to effectively navigate through these seasons of missing what was is to do the opposite of what the Israelites just did. And since I'm a good New Jersey boy, I got a really good New Jersey point here. And here's the first step that we have to take. We have to stop chasing the glory days. I know where your minds went. I'm quoting the great theologian, Bruce. You remember the glory days? What's the whole premise of the song? Him recounting how great life used to be. Remember, I, I could throw the ball. I had the relationship. I had the this. this was, everything was great in the glory days. You know, I find it very interesting because I think for all of us, we face that moment in our lives when we tend to start to miss what was, we start to convince ourselves how great it was in the past and lose sight of where we are now. And if we want to effectively navigate through these seasons, we've got to first and foremost, stop chasing the glory days. We've got to stop trying to get back to what was and recognize what is. You know, 
I was wrestling with this thought on my drive here this morning. It can be very tempting and very easy to romanticize how amazing life was in the past. But what we need to understand is there's a very real possibility that the reason we have the past or the reason that we are in the moment that we are in now is a result of the past. Because the harvest that we reap is a, is a result of the seeds that we've sown. And so we have to be so cautious not to just try to romanticize and, and talk about how amazing the past was because it seems better than right here. But you see, what the Israelites were forgetting was that God put them here. God was moving them. God was leading them. He was here. And so we have to be sure that we pursue where God is here instead of what we wish we could have had there. And so we've got to stop chasing the glory days. How quickly when life gets difficult in the life that we are living and the season that we are in, do we think, if only we were back there, things would be so much better. If only those glory days could come on back, then we would be happier. I'm going to be really honest and blunt with you. Probably not. Probably not. For everything, there is a season. And that season, in those times and in that moment, yes, were there great things in them? Absolutely. But we weren't made to stay there or else we'd still be there. And so we've got to stop chasing the glory days. Stop chasing the relationship that God rescued you from. It's done. Stop chasing the career that you wish you would have had. It's done. Stop chasing the thing that you so badly want, but you know God said no. Stop chasing it. It's over. God says, let's go. He said to the Israelites, let's go. And so they walk. They're on their journey. And so it says that, that they complain to, to Moses and Aaron and they say, look, we're hungry. If only we had food. And Moses and Aaron are great. They're like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Talk to God about it. Talk to God about it. And I think even that, this is a little bonus content freebie for you. Um, I think even that response is something that some of us need to hear in this place this morning. You may be grieving because you're missing what was, but have you talked to the one who is and is to come yet about it? Or are you just complaining to everybody else that can do absolutely nothing about your circumstances? So Moses and Aaron say, talk to God about it. And so they, they go and they, they say to God, look, God, we're hungry. And I love, I love what God does, right? So God says, okay, here's what's going to happen. It says in verse six, it says that, that God, God speaks to them and, and they say, and God says to Moses and Aaron, this is what you got to tell them. Tell them, you will know that I am me, 
that it is I, the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. And he says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to know that it's me because I'm going to give you food. I'm going to give you your needs. I'm going to meet the desire that you have in this moment. And then, and then it goes on in verse 10. It says that while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community about all of this, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. There was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. I find it very fascinating that, that the Israelites stop thinking about what was behind them. They turn around proverbially and they look up and who do they see? The glory of the Lord. Something so profound and significant takes place in all of our lives when we're willing to turn away from what was and lift up our eyes to what is and is to come. Guess who's there? God. I was just thinking before when Laura was, was sharing about the, the God of the, the sunrise and, and, and I thought, you know what? The same God that sets the sun rises it the next morning. And so sometimes we think, I just have to go back to where I was. It was so much better there. No, 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 no. God closed that door and guess what? He's right over here with you too. God's not just in the past. He's the God who was, who is, and is to come. So stop chasing the glory days. Stop thinking, if only I had that, then I would feel better. Then my life would make sense. Then everything would be complete. Stop chasing the past and start recognizing that God is just as much in the sunrise as he is in the sunset. He's just as much in the present as he is in the past. God is right in front of you. And if we want to effectively navigate these seasons of what we do when we miss what was, we've got to fix our focus. And we've got to recognize and acknowledge that his presence is in the present, not just the past. His presence is in the present, not just the past. God says to them, look, I'm going to meet these needs. Why? Because I'm right here with you. Now, it says that, that he was in the cloud, right? The Israelites in this journey were literally being led by the presence of God each day and each night. There was a cloud for them to follow during the day and fire for them to follow at night. The presence of God was literally walking and leading them through the season of life. And in that moment, the only thing that they could think of was the past. And how quickly do we do the same thing when we find ourselves in these seasons where we're missing what was? Do we miss the miraculous work that God is doing in our present in that moment? If all we're doing is chasing the glory days, if all we're doing is thinking about what we lost, we lose sight of who we have left. That day I was sitting in my truck and I was I was saying, God, I miss what was. I just, I miss it. And again, there's nothing wrong with grieving. 
but there's a fine line between grieving and getting stuck. And I was, I was walking that line last week of getting stuck. And as I said, God, I, I miss what was. He was gracious. And he said, remember what I'm doing now. And I had to stop myself. And I'm going to sound like, like this ungrateful, selfish brat. But, but I was sitting in the truck and I'm like, God, how could I forget that I literally just drove from a property that three months ago we didn't even have, that we were able to acquire with money that we didn't have. It was funny, when we moved to the farm, we knew we were gonna, we were gonna my family sold everything we had, and, and we said we're gonna take that money and we're gonna use it, but we're gonna be short about $150,000. So God, that would be good if you could give that to us. That was, that was literally my prayer. And I called the woman that was selling the farm and I said to her, look, we're gonna buy this farm and I'm gonna give you full asking price for it. It's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, absolutely, you deserve it. Here's the thing though. And I told her, we have to sell all our stuff and we have to fundraise $150,000. And she said, all right, okay, for real? I had to drop my voice back down to the normal pitch, right? When you get so shocked. Okay. So I said, God, you got to do this, right? You got you to move. So we talked to a couple people about, hey, would you, would you maybe give us a loan? Because we, we just, we need the money. And so the person said, let me pray about it. And so they prayed about it for a couple days and they come back and they said to us, we're not giving you the loan. We're going to just give you the money. And I said, you, you heard what I said, how much it was, right? Like, we're not talking about 20 bucks. And the person said, no, I, I, want, I want to do this. I believe in this ministry and I believe in what God's doing. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the ministry this money so that you can purchase the farm. And, and all of that was running through my mind when I was sitting in my truck last week. Because you see, when I looked in the building and I was so upset at what was and is no more, I lost sight so quickly of the unbelievable, miraculous work that God is doing in our lives right now to pave a way for something that we could never have done on our own. And unless we turn around and unless we stop chasing the glory days, we run the risk of missing that. And that's what was happening to the Israelites. They said, we want to go back. And God says, why would you want to go back? I'm literally right here with you. Look and see me. And I wonder, when was the last time you took an inventory of your life and where you see God today? Yes, look in the past and see his faithfulness because it's there. But today, where's God at work in your life? How often are you taking the time to recognize it and acknowledge it? And so God says, look, I'm right in front of you. They, they fix their focus. He says, you know, I'm right here and I'm going to provide for you. And he said, so tomorrow you're going to come out and there's going to be carbs and meat everywhere. It is paradise in the desert. And so it says that they, they get up and just as God said, there was meat and there was bread. And, and look, remember I said we're, we're learning from their mistakes, not their success. 
Look at what they look at what they said. Now God literally told them, "When you wake up, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do this." They woke up and God did what he said he was going to do. And look at what they said in verse 15. The Israelites saw it and they said to each other, "What is this? What is this?" They didn't know what it was. Now, to be fair, they were not familiar with quail and, and, and the bread that was on the, the ground. But the bigger picture here is they knew what it was. It was God's provision. The problem was they were looking for it in their own way. They wanted his provision their way instead of accepting <coughs> instead of accepting his provision his way. And I, I know that because of how they responded, of how they said, well, what is this? And then remember, God gave them really strict instructions. He said, no, 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 I just want you to take enough for right now. That's it, just for today, just for now. And I'll provide again tomorrow for tomorrow, but just take enough, very strict, right? And so what happens? The Israelites, yes, they took some, but then what happens? Some took way more than they were supposed to. Right? What does it say towards the end? It says, nobody's to keep any of it till morning. And it said, verse 20, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it till morning. God's very specifically saying, look, I'm moving in your life right now. I'm going to do something miraculous. It's literally going to rain down food from heaven in the desert for you. What you thought is impossible is now possible in here. And I'm doing it for you. I'm working right now in your presence. Now just trust me. Next morning, boom, he did what he said he was going to do. Did they trust him? No. Because they wanted his provision, but they wanted it their way. Again, they went back to trying to recreate the glory days. What were they doing? They were hoarding it. They were making pots and pots and pots of it. Sound familiar? What did they say in the beginning? Oh, well, we had pots and pots of this in the past. And so they started to see this happening and they thought, I know, I'm going to recreate this again because that's when life was better, so I thought. And so they, they tried to, to recreate the glory days. And God said, what are you doing? God said, I, I told you I was going to do this and I told you I would give you enough for every step of the journey. Why don't you trust me. Sound familiar to anyone? God, I, I know you're, you're asking me to do this thing. I know you're asking me to make this career change. I know you're asking me to, to sell my house. I know you're asking me to step away from this relationship. And I'll do it as long as I get it to do it under my terms and my way. And God says, no, no. If you want to see me move, let me do it my way. We don't get to pick the terms and conditions. God's in control. We need to allow him to lead because then that's when we'll see ourselves move from what was into what is and is to come. But we'll never get here 
if we're always facing here. And so God says, you've got to stop chasing the glory days. And you've got to recognize that I am right here with you every step of this season. You will never take a step without me with you. But trust me and the journey that I'm leading you on because what I am doing for you will be far greater than what you could ever build for yourself over there. And I wonder, are you doing that this morning? When was the last time you missed what was? Are you still there? Are you still chasing those glory days thinking, if only I had that again? Instead of saying, look who I have here. We've got to stop chasing the glory days. We've got to stop looking back and start fixing our eyes on the one who was and is and is to come. Because then and only then will we see the goodness and the fruitfulness of the journey and the path that God has in store for us in all of its fullness. Because it will be his and not ours. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you're all going to get home today. Um, I'm I think it's safe to say you're going to get out of here and you're going to go in a car to get home, although I couldn't say that back home at the farm anymore because people ride horses down my street all the time now. So I know you're going to get in a car, right? And so here's what I want you to do when you get in your car today. I want you to notice two things. And I hope that every time you get in the car from now on, you notice these two things. I want you to notice the rear view mirror and I want you to notice the windshield. Two things, the rear view mirror and the windshield. Hopefully you all have a rear view mirror. I want you to look at the rear view mirror. I want you to notice the size of the rear view mirror. Then I want you to look at your windshield. And I want you to notice the size of the windshield. You know why the windshield is so much larger than the mirror? So that you can pay more attention to where you're going and not where you've been. And in our lives, we need to be willing to glance at the past and gaze at his presence in the future. We need to be willing to say, yes, I learned from my past. I know that that was back there. I know that that happened. Whether it was the good, the bad, or the ugly, it was there. And we can glance at it. We can learn from it. We can look at it. But we need to gaze at his presence in the future. We need to keep our eyes fixed on where he is leading us, how he is moving us, and how he is directing us. That's when we will see the fullness of the life that he has in store for us. So when you get in your car today, glance at the rearview mirror and gaze out the windshield.